Hey, good morning to you. My name is Sam. It's good to see many lovely faces if you're obviously here this morning. Good to have you. If you're watching from home, it's a real pleasure to be able to connect with you in that way. I will be uh, continuing in our Following Jesus series. Um, and this morning I'll be speaking to us on the subject of the cost of following Jesus. What it costs to actually uh, follow Jesus. The year is 2016 in July. My wife and I think we have heard from God about moving countries. I have just put together my resignation letter, typed it out, printed it out, put it in an envelope, addressed it to my boss. The only problem is I can't seem to give the letter to my boss. Uh, Claire and I, Claire's my wife, Claire and I worked in a school that God had really blessed. School was thriving. I had started off as a teacher, and over time, God will move me on to head of secondary. And I was, I've done that job for three years and was really enjoying it. My whole identity was wrapped up in that job. It was, it was nice to have everybody in the community know that the, the headmaster of that school lived in that house. It was nice to be able to go into meetings and introduce myself as head of secondary for New Nation School. It was, it was such a nice feeling. I mean, it came with a nice salary as well. It was nice to be able to, you know, sit in my office and have parents coming in and then looking, expecting a man with gray hair and then find me sitting there. It was, there was a real sense of pride in this role that I had in the school. The other exciting thing was that the school was doing really well. The kids were thriving. In fact, we have been judged the best IGCSE school in Ghana. And so in my role as head of secondary, I fell on top of the world. And then God comes in and says, all right, guys, time in Ghana coming to a close. It's time to move on now. I could not come to terms with sending that resignation letter in. It was my job was my life. My job was my everything. And besides, we were moving to England, and for the next six months, I wasn't going to have a job. My new job in England was going to be a full-time stay-home dad with two toddlers, a two-year-old and a four-month-old baby. Full-time head of secondary to full-time stay-home dad. I could not come to terms with putting that resignation letter in. I remember taking it into work, bringing it back home again. And then one Sunday morning, I go into the Sunday morning meeting, and then this guy is bringing a prophetic word, just a random word. I don't think it was random. It was a prophetic word. And then he knew nothing about our situation. And then he goes, and some of you need to put in that resignation letter. I'm thinking, oh dear, not me. But eventually... It had to go in. We would move here, and I look back now, and I'd say those six months were probably the best time I have ever had with our two boys. Because it meant that we could bond in a special way that I could not have done with them if I had a full time and had just gone on. It was the best possible time 
I had with our boys. I would have one of them in a buggy, one of them strapped to my front. Hastings Seafront was our second home. It was brilliant. I put one of them to sleep, hoping that the other one would sleep, and then I could have some rest. Just when I was wanting to doze off, the other one would wake up, and so I couldn't get a nap. It was hard work. But I look back today, and I think it was the best decision we made as a family. Now, our salvation or life in Jesus, or this gift we call salvation, is free to receive. I need to mention, however, that it comes with a cost. Oftentimes, people preach the gospel, and they just preach a nice gospel. But I feel God would want to challenge us today about the need to preach the true gospel. And in the true gospel, Jesus doesn't only offer us, you know, freedom from sin, like we're singing today. Jesus doesn't only offer us new life. Jesus doesn't only take away our shame and condemnation. He also calls us to follow him. He calls us to do life with him. And in today's passage, as we seek to look at the subject, my hope is that God will open our eyes to see him again. My hope is that Jesus would help us engage with him again, even as we consider the cost of following him. And so in Mark's gospel, in Mark chapter 8, we read this. I'm going to read from verse 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Now, church, I want you to take note of this. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. We will come back to this later. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels would save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? Verse 38, for whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels? Interesting but challenging passage, just to give us a bit of a context. So Jesus had been traveling with the, with the disciples. Peter, one of the disciples, had had a, a high moment when, through revelation from God, he had declared Jesus as the Christ. Jesus had been asking them, who do people say I am? Some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist, some say a prophet. Then Jesus turns to the disciples and says to them, but who do you say I am? And I think that at some point, each one of us would have to answer that question. Peter turns to Jesus and he says, you are the Christ. And it was quite a profound thing Peter said because that, that word Christ means the anointed one. 
And at the time, the people knew about the anointed one. They knew that there was coming a day when the anointed one would effectively bring freedom to them. The sad thing, however, was that in the people's minds, this anointed one was going to bring into being an earthly kingdom. Jesus, who was the anointed one, however, wasn't bringing in an earthly kingdom. And so, as we move on and Jesus begins to talk about his own suffering, he says, he began to teach them, saying that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. As Jesus began teaching these things, Peter couldn't work this out in his mind. On the one hand, he's thinking, you are the anointed one, but we are expecting you to bring freedom from Roman oppression. Now, Jesus is saying, the Son of Man will suffer, will be killed. What are you saying, Jesus? And so Peter, being Peter, takes Jesus to the side and says, no, Jesus, you cannot say these things. Jesus is reminded of time in the desert with Satan, where Satan effectively tries to offer him the kingdoms of this world. He says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Jesus would not have anything get in the way of God's ultimate plans for him. So Jesus sets his own example. Listen, I have come to effectively die. Jesus was not a celebrity. People followed him everywhere. He wasn't a celebrity. He was a king. His whole purpose for coming into the world was to die. He had come to live and die. It wasn't to get a number of likes on social media. No, he had come to die. And so Jesus says to them, listen, I have come to suffer. Eventually, I will be persecuted. Eventually, I will be killed. But that is not the end. On the third day, I will be raised to life again. Jesus made clear what God's plan for his life was. So he sets his example. The disciples, however, cannot handle this. And then Jesus says something profound. It was one of the verses that stood out for me. I've never really noticed it, but I just hope that it will do your hearts good. Jesus says this to Peter. He says, you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And I feel the Lord would want to challenge us today as believers in the Lord Jesus, as people who call ourselves Christians, our ultimate goal all the time, every day, every moment, is to seek, to strive, to set our minds on the things of God, not on the things of man. Because when we do, when it comes to obviously having to let go of stuff, we will not struggle because already we have set our minds on the things of God. I am learning that every day. To hold things lightly so that when like a Corinthian Boone says, when God pries your hands open, it's easy to let go. I'm learning to hold things lightly, be it a job. Be it a gift that God gives to me, I'm learning each day to hold them lightly so it doesn't hurt too much when God says, it's time to lay that down. Set your minds on the things of God. 
A very difficult teaching, but Jesus had clear-cut expectations. So he talks about his own example. He must suffer. He will die. And then now he turns to the disciples. Like Jesus, like us. Don't ever forget that. Like Jesus, like you. If Jesus suffered, you will suffer. If Jesus ultimately had to lay down his life, maybe not everybody, but some people. In some parts of the world, people face persecution. People are being killed for their faith every single day. Maybe not you, but in principle, Jesus wants us to know this. And so he says, he turns to the disciples and then he says to them, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me. Jesus says, if anyone, anyone means anyone. If you call yourself a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you call yourself a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, this applies to you. Anyone, anyone, anyone. If you're thinking of following Jesus, before you actually put your signature down and say, I'm going to go with you, Jesus. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Now, when I read this, I have read this many times. When I read this, I thought, this, this is a heart-to-heart -heart session. I thought, Jesus, I, I, I don't quite think I'm there yet. Let me try to explain. It's holiday time. You and your family are getting ready to go on holiday. You've parked the car, kids in the back, you jump in the car, just getting ready to reverse from the drive. Then you notice in the mirror, somebody standing behind the car. Guess who it is? It's Jesus. Oh, you know Jesus, and so you say, would you like a ride? Would you like to come with us? He says, sure. And then what he says next is, can I please have the car keys? You're thinking, what? No, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the driving. No, 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 Jesus says, I will do the driving. Okay, there you go. Well, can I sit next to you in front then so I can do the music? No, Jesus says, no, you go sit in the back. You're thinking, no, no, hold on, but this is my car. This is, this is my family holiday. You're thinking of going up north to Scotland. Jesus says, no, we're going to go to Cornwall. No, no sorry, no, but we're going up. No, 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 Jesus said, we're going to Cornwall. And then guess what? During the journey, Jesus sticks on some African music. What are you doing, Jesus? Well, maybe Jesus, it's time to, you can stop here and go now. He says, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm coming with you for the entire journey. I'm actually wanting to stay with you for the holiday. Now, this is what we're talking about. Deny yourself. What you would have really wanted was to be behind the steering wheel. What you and I would really want would be to call the shots. Say to the kids, sit down, you know. What you and I would really want is to put on our kind of music. What you and I would really want 
is to go up north, not to Cornwall. Jesus says, well, if you're going to follow me, you will have to deny yourself. You lay down your plans. You lay down your, your, your dreams. He's not asking you to throw them away. He says, lay them down, and I will give you better dreams. But brothers and sisters, I don't find that easy. I don't know if you, if you do, catch up with me at the end, and then let me know. Effectively, everything changes. Previously, you and I were the center of our lives. When Jesus comes, we are no longer the center. He is the center. But isn't that glorious? We're singing about that this morning. Jesus is worthy. He is worthy. I have come to, to learn to love him. He is worthy. So he says, you can no longer be the center. He would now have to be the center. So you get out of the driving seat and let Jesus get in there. Secondly, he says, take up your cross. Now, oftentimes when people read this in their minds, they're thinking, oh, Jesus probably meant, you know, some kind of, um, some kind of issue in my life or some kind of trouble that I'm having to go through. No, I don't think Jesus meant that. The people of the day would have known what Jesus was speaking about when he spoke of the cross. Jesus was basically saying, come and die. The cross was basically a picture of somebody having to carry this thing on their backs, going to a place of crucifixion. And so when Jesus says to them, you know, carry your cross, he is speaking of death. He's speaking of us laying down our lives. Jesus says, well, come and die. Imagine you get an invitation to this party. It gives you the date, it gives you the time, and then it says, come and die. How many would turn up? I don't think anybody would. Jesus says, take up your cross. Now, in principle, this truth holds. In practice, it would not necessarily apply to everybody sitting here today. But Jesus wants us to know that it might happen. In the 90s, there was civil strife in Liberia. For those of you who know your geography, Liberia is in West Africa. And in Ghana, because of the civil strife in Liberia, and in fact in Sierra Leone as well, we hosted many, many, many refugees. Many of the refugees came into Ghana. And some of them were Christians, and so they told us their stories. People would be in their compound houses, and these rebels would come in, and then they would say to them, okay, where are the Christians here? Now, you picture, you picture yourself, put yourself in their shoes. Where are the Christians here? All right, suddenly they got machetes. They got, suddenly everybody goes quiet. Suddenly nobody is Christian, because if you said you were Christian, you were butchered to death just by saying you were Christian. Now, let's be very honest. How many here, Saturday afternoon, sun shining, rebels surround us here and go, let's have the Christians line up on the side. Machetes, AK-47s, maybe some might. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll run through that door. I'm being very honest. But Jesus says, for some people, 
it might come to that. Some people stood their ground and they were hugged to death because of their faith. Not everybody would experience that, but Jesus wants us to know the need to take up our cross. It doesn't get any easier. And then he finishes off, because at this point, I'm sure the disciples are thinking, oh dear Jesus, this is hard teaching. In verse 35, he says, for whoever would save his life will lose it. Basically, if you deny Jesus in this life, you lose everything. However, if you, for whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. If we're willing to lay down our pride, our dreams, our ambitions for the sake of Jesus, he says, look, there's eternal life on offer for you. So you, you don't miss out the joy of having Jesus do life with you. You do not miss out. If you have Jesus, you have everything. He is our shepherd. We lack nothing. Jesus promises. The disciples said, we have left everything to follow you, Jesus. Jesus says that, yeah, fine, you've left brother and sister, but you will have all of these back as well. So we do not miss out. But he wants us to know. And he wants us to be able to do it joyfully. And some of you are sitting here or watching me. Maybe the Lord Jesus is trying to highlight areas in your life that you probably need to to lay down. But maybe like me, you can't come around to, you know, putting in that resignation. I am not saying that leave this place and say, Sam says we should all put in our resignation. That's not what I'm saying. You know when God speaks to you about this thing or that thing. For me, it was that crunch moment of handing in that resignation letter. All of my, my life was wrapped up in that job. I could not let go. But Jesus says, time to move on. Seizing in Ghana coming to a close, I'm sending you elsewhere. You're going to need to resign. I put in that resignation letter eventually, and then suddenly realized it had come to the end of the month and there was no paycheck. <laughs> and you think, what have I done? Have I been foolish? What have I done? Suddenly, I realize I wake up in the morning, there's no job to go to. Today, I look back and I know I wasn't foolish. Today, I look back and I know it was worth it. Today, I look back and I know that Jesus is worth more than anything, anything, everything. In Matthew, to finish off, he speaks of the pearl of great price, this man who finds treasure. And then it says that he goes back, he sells everything he has, and then he goes back and he buys that land. Church, Jesus is that pearl of great price. Nothing compares. No one compares. Jesus is the pearl of great price. Nothing you lose in this life will compare to effectively having Jesus and having him as your everything. Father, we just want to thank you for 
this morning, I, I just pray that you would help us continue to just do life with you. Uh, Jesus, you teach us uh, that you set for us a very good example. You suffered, you were persecuted, and you died. <laughs> and you call us to walk uh, that path with you. I pray, Jesus, would you help us? We, we need your help as we make choices, as we make decisions. I just pray that you would, you would come through and help us continue to set our minds on things above. Help us not trust in our own selves, but trust in you. I pray that you would help us be those who rest in you and help us be those who carry through these commitments that we have made to follow you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you, church.